Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 30th, 2018. Even though it's a Tuesday, we have nine games on the slate, which is very weird. That's not the typical for Tuesdays. Tuesdays usually end up being like three-game slates, and usually the Mondays are full slates. But for whatever reason, we had a six-game slate on Monday, nine-game slate on Tuesday. So first game for Matt and I to talk about, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Washington Wizards. From the Thunder side of the game, I think Steven Adams is a solid play. The Wizards are one of the worst teams in the league at allowing fantasy points to centers, and they've been even worse over the past month or so. So Steven Adams at 6,500 is a fine play. I think Westbrook is okay to pay up for at 11,700 just because he's going to be facing defensive Thomas Sadoransky and Tim Frazier. So we could kind of ignore what any of the DVP numbers are from the Wizards side of the game. Those are my two favorite guys from the Thunder. From the Wizards side of the game, let's see, what do we have the prices for these guys now? Sadoransky's gone up to 4500 after being near mid-price last game. Tim Frazier's at 4100 I don't think either one of them make for particularly great plays at their prices. Because Sadoransky, let's see, what did he... The last game was a blowout, though, so we kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. The minutes. He still only played 21 minutes, though. So, how many minutes? Like, I don't think we could expect like 30 plus minutes from Sadoransky, especially because Beal was out earlier in the season. Frazier was starting, and it was literally like a 24 24 minute split between the two of them. I do think Sadoransky's played better this year, so he's going to get more of the minutes than than Frazier, but I still think it's probably going to be something like a 28 24 in in that range. Like, I don't think either one of these guys are going to be playing more than 30 minutes. So I don't really love the price on Sadoransky or Frazier. Uh, Bradley Beal at 8400 I think he's okay, but that's still a little pricey for me on him. I think Otto Porter's a good play at 6400 Something to keep in mind here, well, obviously, other than John Wall being out, is that Andre Robertson is out for the Thunder. And let's see, if I bring up the numbers really quick, I guess the exact numbers aren't really that significant, except the Thunder are way worse on defense without him. And I'm pretty sure that Robertson has the most significant defensive efficiency on-off stats in the league so far this season. So, yeah, the the Thunder allow 99 points per 48 minutes with Robertson on the floor and then 113 points per 48 minutes with him off the floor. So that does benefit Bradley Beal and Otto Porter. It's just that Bradley Beal is so far priced up. But Otto Porter at 6,400 I think is a good price tag on him. Well, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, I think a lot of that Robertson effect has to do with the fact that he's playing with the starters most of the time. Um, I think Robertson has started almost all of the games where he's been active. So when he's off the court, it usually means that Paul George is also off the court. And the Thunder just have a really bad bench. So I think that those numbers might overstate the Robertson effect a decent amount, but I do agree he is a good defender, but Paul George is also a good defender, and kind of hard to tell how good of a defender Russell Westbrook is. His game seems to fluctuate a lot, but he's certainly a better defender than Raymond Felton and the rest of the OKC bench. Um, so it's it's a boost to someone that Robertson's out, but maybe not. it's not as much as it seems. And Paul George is going to guard one of Bradley Beal or Otto Porter. So I'm, I guess... It's, it's kind of hard to tell who that would be. Um, maybe you have some better insight. But I do think that one of those guys would be a really strong play. Basically, whoever's being guarded by, I guess it would be Terrence Ferguson, would be the starter now. 
Um, that's a lot better of a matchup than whoever's being guarded by Paul George. And then, yeah, on the Thunder side, I think Steven Adams is a good play. Westbrook, I'm not sure if I would pay up for him. I guess it depends on the value plays that open up. I guess if it's a slate where we're going with balanced lineups, I wouldn't really use Westbrook. And if it's more stars and scrubs with a lot of cheap value plays, then I'd be more inclined to use Westbrook. Yeah, I think the only thing I was saying about Westbrook is I, I think he's in play, but yeah, he could be tough to fit in if there isn't a lot of value. And the other thing also is just that similarly to how there's kind of a wing boost for the Wizards offense, also being guarded by Thomas Sadoransky is just such an athletic mismatch as opposed to Westbrook being guarded by John Wall. So And Tim Frazier, which, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, not, that's a good matchup too. But just before we move on, who's your best guess for uh, the defender that or the offensive player that Paul George guards, and then I guess it would be the other one is guarded by Ferguson. Yeah, it would have to be Bradley Beal, because Otto Porter doesn't really do anything on the ball, whereas Bradley Beal is making most of the offense and is uh, in charge of basically all the playmaking responsibility. Like, Otto Porter is, I think he's like eighth in the league in three-point shooting, but it's not like he's shooting off the dribble or anything. Everything he does is off the ball. So I, I don't think it really makes sense to have Paul George guarding him. And also, him being guarded by Paul George just wouldn't affect what Otto Porter does because Otto Porter is a pretty low-usage player. He's just really efficient with his shots because he just kind of runs around off screens and then gets open shots, and he makes most of the shots he takes because he's, what, like, uh, uh, he's shooting, what, like 45% from three or something like that this year. So I, I think he would have to be guarding Bradley Beal. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So having said all that, I guess the best player from each side – for players we're most likely to be using in lineups, I guess it would be Steven Adams and Otto Porter as the top two with maybe some Beal and maybe some Westbrook. Uh, yes, that would be correct for me. Uh, next game here is the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Nets. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks. Both teams in the Nets. Uh, so from the Nets side of the game, D'Angelo Russell rested last game, but he's expected to play. Uh, I'm assuming he still has that minutes restriction around 20 or so, so... Not a strong play yet, but I think there's going to be a time where we find, like, hey, D'Angelo Russell's playing 30 minutes tonight, and he's still only going to be priced at, like, 5000 He's going to be a really strong play. We're just not at that point yet. Uh, the other thing we have here is uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson has been ruled out, but I don't really think there's one obvious value play in this situation. There's probably some extra minutes for, like, Alan Crabb and Damari Carroll, but I don't think either one of them are really spectacular plays. And then the Nets are also just going to throw so many other guys in there, like Jared Allen played minutes last game, Quincy AC, Joe Harris, Nick Stauskas. The, the Nets aren't just going to give one guy like 35 minutes of playing time. They're just going to play their entire bench like 10 to 12 minutes, and that's how they're going to fill a lot of the void of playing time. From the Knicks side of the game, let's see. What is the prices on everybody we have? Uh, Ennis Kanner cut his lip in practice today. I think they said he got 14 stitches. He is expected to play, but – Maybe slight concerns about how that might affect his play. Uh, they don't usually tend to play him 30-plus minutes anyway. So at 6,600, I think that the lip cut, even in a plus matchup, is just enough for me to not want to roster Ennis Kander tomorrow. I think Christophe Sporzingis at 8,100 is a fine play. And then same with Tim Hardaway at 6,500. It, uh, it looks like that minutes restriction for Hardaway is gone now, right? Uh, I think he played yeah, over 30 minutes so, two games in a row. Yeah, he's. Uh, they had the one game where they rested him. But other than that, he's played, I think, well above 30 minutes. Like somewhere around 35 the last couple of games. He played yeah, exact, He played 34.8 minutes exactly on the dot each of the last two games. 
So with Hardaway back, uh, Courtney Lee was someone we liked a lot for a while, but I think he's too pricey now. He's, he's up to 5,400. He had been under 5,000 and less minutes for him with Hardaway there. Jared Jack also. The Knicks are playing Frank Nielakina and Trey Burke. They're playing three point guards every game, it seems like. Um, so I think Porzingis is the only guy in the Knicks I would really want to roster. I think Hardaway is okay. Um, maybe a little too expensive, but I definitely do like Porzingis. And then D'Angelo Russell is really cheap. Like I, I know he might only play 16, 18 minutes, but if he gets 24 plus minutes in this game at 4,800, I think he could be a really good play. Maybe because it's sort of the New York rivalry, not as much as Nets versus Nets would be, but Nets versus Knicks, I don't know. Maybe D'Angelo Russell plays more because it's more of a high-profile game, and they are missing Karis LeVert, and they're missing Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I don't think it's that unrealistic that D'Angelo Russell could play 25 minutes or so, and at 4,800, that would make him a really good play, I think. Um, Alan Crabb, I think, also benefits a little more than you're letting on because he. it's not just that uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's out, it's also that Karis LeVert is out. Um, so with both of those guys out of the lineup, I think that Alan Crabb is the obvious guy that Maybe maybe it's not too obvious, but there's a little bit of each role for him to take. I guess there's front court well, minutes. How many to, minutes did he play last game with both of them out? I think the Nets were blown out last game. Not he not a only played 24 minutes though. Yeah, I guess it's hard to say, but I think he could play 30 minutes. Those games, that's what he, that, but that's what he, that's what he normally plays. He's yeah, that is true. Looking back. Um, a few weeks that he was in the low 30s and around 30 for a while, but he also was more expensive. I think at 4,300 compared to when he was in the low 5,000s, he's just more usable. Um, maybe there's not a ton of upside for him, but he is a three-point shooter, so I think there is some upside there. I think it's more that he's now back to the role that he had a week or two ago because Levert and Hollis Jefferson are out, but he's cheaper than he was a week or two ago, so it just makes him a little bit better of a value, and then Damari Carroll, I guess, would be a decent play also. Yeah, I think I think Crab's fine to roster. I just don't think he's somebody I have like a ton of exposure to, but he's worth being in there. Uh, next game here, Minnesota Timberwolves at, at the Toronto Raptors. This is the tail end of a back-to-back for Minnesota, and also a pretty tough matchup for them. Uh, I think there's some pricing value on Jeff Teague at 5,700. Uh, I'll just be kind of curious to see what his minutes look like tonight. He was reportedly dealing with a sore ankle coming into tonight's game and he played 16 minutes in the first half that's uh the game's at halftime at right now so i guess that's that might be a little bit less than normal but probably around normal uh so 5700 the price is a little down for him it is a bit of a tough matchup against the raptors uh i think a teague towns correlation could make some sense because they correlate really highly but individually i don't think either are particularly strong plays from the Raptors side of the game, DeMar Rosen is probably going to be guarded by Jimmy Butler, so that makes for a pretty tough individual matchup for him. Kyle Lowry at 7,400. That's just really – well, actually, even DeRozan's at 7,700. So, now I still think him being guarded by Butler is probably enough to keep me off him. I think Lowry is a good play at 7,400. And then nobody else would really want to use – Jonas Valanciunas had some ridiculous games in limited minutes recently, but he's at 5,600 now, and he's just never going to play 30-plus minutes. So that's a little too expensive for me to pay to uh, pay for somebody who might actually only play like 18 minutes. 
Yeah, I think Kyle Lowry is my favorite player from this game. Uh, Point guard, like we mentioned yesterday, is the biggest position of weakness for Minnesota. Defensively, Jeff Teague, maybe not at full strength, so that could be a boost for Lowry too. And it's the second second half of a road back-to-back for Minnesota. So it sets up really well for Toronto, um, and I think Lowry is the biggest beneficiary. I don't know that I really would want to roster anyone from Minnesota. The Raptors are good defensively, and it's a road game. I think Teague is just a little cheap, but I am concerned about that ankle, and it it's the second half of a back-to-back, so I think he'll play, but I think there is some downside there where he ends up not playing his full minutes because the ankle's bothering him. Um, and then Minnesota in general is just tough right now because everyone was priced up a bit when Jimmy Butler was out, and now they're still expensive and Butler's back, and Jamal Crawford's back. So the only real pricing value is Jeff Teague, but we would need to be more confident probably in his minutes, and this is a large enough slate that I think I'm probably just on Lowry from this game because there, there's some definite value there. And DeRozan's a little cheaper, but yeah, you said the matchup against Butler is tough. Um, so DeRozan's someone to consider, but I feel much stronger about Lowry. Okay, well, nothing more exciting than potentially targeting the Sacramento Kings on a large slate because we have the Kings playing in New Orleans. We don't know which veterans are resting for the Kings. In addition, we have uh, Scal is questionable to play. He missed last game. With I think it was last game he missed. Yeah, last game. Yeah, he missed last game. So I, I'm just going to say we don't have enough information right now on the Kings. And hopefully we have some kind of update prior to the game starting as opposed to it just being their usual, which probably what we should expect is just the game starts and then somewhere around the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, the reporters say, oh, well, George Hill hasn't come in, so I guess he's the resting veteran today. Uh, Zach Rando hasn't come in, so I guess he's resting today. For right now, it's just kind of a guessing game, and we don't know which veterans are in or out. Um, Let me just weigh in there before you go to the Pelicans, because there is a lot to get to on both teams. I don't think that it would be worth using those Kings guys much anyway, because the starters generally, or the veteran starters, generally don't have consistent minutes even when they start. Um, I think last game was the exception with Zach Randolph and Costa Kufis because Scal was out and Willie Cauley-Stein is out. But it's really hard to trust those guys even when they start. There have been plenty of games where Zach Randolph just doesn't get second-half minutes even when the game is fairly close, um, and it, those are games where he started. So I, I don't think that I'm too concerned about the Kings' resting situation anyway just because I I wouldn't really trust those guys to get minutes regardless. I think the Kings that I would use are um, Darren Fox and Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich because they seem to play pretty heavy minutes regardless of who's in the lineup with them. So those would be my three targets. And it's also a really good spot for the Kings against the Pelicans without Cousins there. The Pelicans are going with a smaller lineup, which we'll get to. Um, But those three Kings, I think, are decent plays with whoever's around them. And I I guess Scal would be too if we know that he's in. Yeah, I think that's more to the point is. But even if, like, there's potential that the Kings start a backcourt of De'Aaron Fox, uh... Garrett Temple has started some games. So like, if Garrett Temple starts, that's a hit to Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald's minutes in production. Yeah, it so is. I think me, they would me, still be usable, me, though. To me, the importance of the veterans resting isn't necessarily which veterans to play, but it's which young guys do we think are going to play over 30 minutes. Right, because if George Hill plays, that hurts Darren Fox. But if Garrett Temple plays, that hurts Buddy Heald and Bogdanovich. So... It, it does matter for them a little, but I think all three of those guys would be in play anyway, even with Hill and Temple potentially starting. 
No, I think that is fair. Uh, from the Pelican side of the game, one of the other reasons that I also think that when we were talking about uh, Russell Westbrook earlier is him maybe or maybe not being in the player pool. I think Anthony Davis is a far stronger guy to pay up for than Russell Westbrook. Usually I do take the stance of don't play Anthony Davis in cash game because he misses too many games. I don't take that point right now when when DeMarcus Cousins is out because Davis is averaging over 60 fantasy points per 36 minutes with Cousins out. We also could probably expect Anthony Davis to play over 36 minutes. He played... Uh, let's see, how many minutes did he play? He played 41 minutes last game without Cousins. So Anthony Davis is just going to have to play a shit ton of minutes. And even after the game, Alvin Gentry, when he asked, how come you played Anthony Davis so many minutes? He said he didn't have a choice without DeMarcus Cousins there. So if he thinks he doesn't have a choice but to play Anthony Davis 41 minutes without DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis is going to play a ton of minutes. He's going to produce a ton of fantasy points per minute. So I think Anthony Davis is a fine play. Uh, Drew Holiday has been priced all the way up to 8300 so I think he's okay for cash games, but I don't really think there's a ton of upside there for GPPs. And then I think Etwan Moore and Rajon Rondo are both in play. Uh, I had a lot of Rajon Rondo yesterday. I did very well overall, but Rajon Rondo was the one disappointing because I had a lineup that finished uh, sixth in the FanDuel, $5.55. I had Rondo in that lineup. He scored 14 fantasy points, negative fantasy points after the first quarter. And literally, if he scores le- if he scores not negative fantasy points from the second quarter to the rest of the game, I ended I would have ended up finishing like third in that contest. Uh, but either way, I think you have to have a short memory in DFS. And Rajon Rondo generally tends to play more minutes when the Pelicans are missing Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins, just because they feel they need to get more offense on the court. And they think Rajon Rondo delivers that. Just Rondo was so bad last game. I think he shot something like 2 of 11 from 3. He just kept chucking up 3-pointers. But I think Rajon Rondo is a really good play tomorrow. Yeah, it's a good thing you have a short memory because this is definitely a really good spot for Rondo. Uh, It's also a big revenge spot for Rondo. And I think, well, it would have been two players in this game that are two of the most, probably the most concerned players with their revenge spots. It would have been Rondo and Cousins playing against former teams. But... Uh, without Cousins, it's just Rondo, and I don't know, maybe it's not something to weigh too much, but Rondo should have a bit higher of a minutes floor playing against Sacramento. Do you think that that's fair, or that's completely irrelevant? Well, here's where I think it's relevant. Rondo's minutes are somewhat tied to how well he plays, and if, and just since the Kings are so bad on defense, I think they're last in the league in defensive efficiency. If Rondo plays well, he's the starter. They're going to leave him out for more minutes. If he plays poorly, he's more likely to be taken off the floor. And he's more likely to play well against the Kings than almost any other team in the league. Yeah, it's a really good matchup. Uh, you could also say there's some blowout risk. We don't actually have a Vegas line yet. But I don't think the Pelicans have too much blowout risk against anyone without DeMarcus Cousins. It's just not a good team. They're very bad defensively. Um, and they have such a tight rotation right now that even if they do have a blowout win, I don't think that it hurts anyone's production too much. Um, R- Rondo also tends to play more, I think, if they're winning by a lot, like you said. Like, I think a worst case for Rondo would be a game where the Pelicans are down by 5 or 10 points going into the fourth quarter compared to a game where they're up by 20 points going into the fourth quarter. I think with the 20-point lead, he'd actually play more minutes. Um, so I really like Rondo for the spot. I definitely agree with you on Anthony Davis. That's just That's just a pretty obvious play for him. Uh, I think he's more usable or more fadeable in tournaments than in cash. 
The reason I'd be more comfortable with him in cash than normal is because of how high-owned he's going to be. I mean, I don't think it's a secret that Anthony Davis does a lot better when DeMarcus Cousins isn't on the floor, so he should be extremely high-owned. I don't think that you have to worry too much about him destroying your cash lineup because everyone's going to have him. So if he does happen to get hurt or something, then that's going to kill the entire field, and you basically just can't afford to not have him if he has a good game. In tournaments, though, I think you could argue it makes sense to fade him at least a little. Uh, I don't know if I'll have 100% Anthony Davis exposure, but I still will use him a lot because... The injury risk isn't high enough to be more relevant than the value that he's providing with Cousins not playing. So Davis, Rondo, good plays. I think Drew Holiday is a little bit better of a play than you're letting on. Um, he's just His usage is just so high without Cousins there. And the usage rate itself might even undersell it because he just has the ball in his hands more. So his assist rate should be higher um, and his scoring should be higher. And then Etwan Moore is another guy I like. Uh, the Pelicans go smaller without Cousins there. So basically the entire Pelicans starting lineup with Dante Cunningham included and maybe even Darius Miller included. I think you can use just about every rotation player for them for this game. Uh, I wouldn't use Ian Clark, though, because I think Rondo will play more minutes and Clark won't. And uh, for the Kings side, I guess we'll just kind of have to see. But this is a really good uh, stack spot overall. And I think even if the game's a blowout, you'll see the younger Kings guys still play plenty of minutes and you'll see the Pelicans guys still play plenty of minutes. So Whatever the, the Vegas line happens to be, um, I'm not concerned about blowout risk for this game at all. I think um, – I just totally lost my – oh, oh yeah. So I was going to say in terms of like if anybody was to be concerned about a blowout risk, which I think it's a little relevant because we said that it wasn't going to happen anyway. If they were – if they did happen to win by 30 points, I don't see any way that happens without a huge game from Anthony Davis. And I don't see any way that happens without huge games from almost everyone on the Pelicans. I think that they would all do well. I mean, maybe it's possible they win 120 to 90 and Drew Holiday doesn't have a great game. But the only way that any of these core Pelicans guys really have duds, I think, is that they either get injured or get into extreme foul trouble or the Pelicans just play terribly, which I think is the least likely of those outcomes. Yeah, if they're going to score that many points against the Kings with such a tight rotation, everyone's going to probably be doing well. All right, so the next game here is the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Detroit Pistons. Uh, the Pistons, we're going to have to kind of look to see what their starting lineup is going to be tomorrow to really make a concrete opinion on this game because obviously they traded for Blake Griffin tonight. I think it's safe to assume Blake Griffin doesn't play, but there's also a lot of minutes available because they also traded away, uh, obviously, the key piece of the trade, Boban Marjanovic going <laughs> back to the Clippers. That's the entire reason the trade was made. Uh, the headline is going to be Boban traded to the Clippers. But in addition to that, uh, people actually play minutes. Avery Bradley and Tobias Harris, they both play over 30 minutes a game for the Pistons. So there's so much playing time to fill. And we just don't know how they're going to fill that right now. But I think we'll have a good idea once we see what the starting lineup is tomorrow. Uh, from the Cavs side of the game, I mean, I wouldn't say that like LeBron or Kevin Love are terrible plays. I just think there's other guys I'd much prefer to pay up for. My favorite play from the Cleveland side of the game is going to be Isaiah Thomas again. He's at 5,900. He's definitely been underwhelming so far as a member of the Cavs. He had the one pretty nice game against uh, who was it? Against the Magic. And then he's had a few duds in a row here. Uh, the usage rating is still really high. He's had a usage of at least 25% every single game with the Cavs so far. He's just not making shots. He's going to they're going to start falling at some point in time. I don't expect them to be as crazy efficient as he was last year, 
but I wouldn't expect some ridiculous drop-off either because he's playing with LeBron, so he figures to be able to get better looks at the basket this year. He should have more open shots. I think it's just more... He, I don't think he's totally in shape right now and maybe a little bit of out of basketball rhythm just from not playing in a lot of games recently. But 5,900 for Isaiah Thomas, he's going to go up from here. So I think he's a good play. And then, like I said, from the Pistons side of the game, we just don't really know who's playing for them right now. Um, I think that my favorite play is probably going to end up being Luke Kennard at 4,100 because I think he's probably going to have to start and play a lot of minutes. But that's just kind of a guess right now. We'll have a better idea for their starting lineup tomorrow. Well, I think the answer for who benefits from the Pistons is everyone, right? I mean, everyone has to play more minutes to fill the void until Blake Griffin gets there, at least. And even at that point, there's still a lot of a there's still a pretty big vacancy on the wing with no Avery Bradley and no Tobias Harris. So Ish Smith, I guess, has more of a minutes floor. I don't think it makes him that good of a play because it doesn't really do much for his ceiling. He's already playing about 30 minutes a game. Um, but Stanley Johnson and Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock. I think you could argue that it makes sense to use all of those guys. Um, I probably wouldn't put, I don't even think I'd put more than one of them in the same lineup, but I think having exposure to all three might be the way to go, or at least the two guys who end up starting. Um, And it might even be possible that all three of them start at least for one game until Blake Griffin's available. Uh, I missed, uh, I didn't hear what you said on Drummond because there was a Steph Curry tweet that came out. Are you on Drummond for this game or no? Because I, I think uh, he might benefit a little in terms of usage without some of those guys there. Uh, I think he's, yeah, I think he's definitely in play. Uh, I just think that if I'm going to spend up for somebody, I probably would just prefer to go up to Anthony Davis. But I do think that Drummond is worth rostering. Yeah, I think uh, I think I would prefer to use LeBron over Drummond. And then if you're using LeBron and Davis, you really don't have room for Drummond at all. But you maybe, probably don't have room for anybody else on your entire <laughs> Yeah, you, you can't really use both. Um, but I think you could make some lineups that have LeBron and Davis in them, but you certainly couldn't put Drummond in those lineups. I think I would have exposure to both LeBron and Drummond. I think Isaiah, I agree with you there. Uh, it could be a good matchup for Kevin Love. Um, Drummond's defense, especially against perimeter players, is bad. But if Tristan Thompson's starting, I guess... Kevin Love doesn't really benefit there. So I think I'd be a lot more inclined to use Kevin Love if the Cavs go back to a small ball starting lineup. But I don't think Tristan Thompson's in play either way. Uh, He's gotten more expensive. He's now up to 4,600. I think he was a better play at close to min price. Oh, I prefer him when he's, I prefer him when he's more expensive. (laughs) Yeah. um, No, that, that is a very obvious statement. No, I think uh, at close to min price, he was a good play at 4,600. He's a bad play. I don't know. Maybe there was a point in between where he still made sense, but he's gotten too expensive. Uh, would you use Kevin Love if he was starting at center, though, or do you think there are just better spots? Um, no, I just think there's better spots in this slate, especially because whatever it is that's going on in Cleveland with Kevin Love, where just the players don't like him, or maybe even the coach doesn't like him, I think it's possibly ends up getting traded. It's affecting his playing time right now. So it's one thing when it affects, when it might affect some, when somebody's performance is down because you might just say it's it's a fluke or we're just kind of looking into something as being a causation when it doesn't necessarily impact his ability to make open jump shots as much but when he's playing less minutes i i think that that is pretty significant on his potential production yeah i agree uh it's it's too much of a risk with so many games to choose from yeah and then let me see just to make sure that um yeah, so the last few games for Kevin Love, 
he had the game where he supposedly may have faked being sick. Then he came back, he played 27 minutes and 32, then 27. It's just, That's just not a lot of paying time for somebody as good as Kevin Love or somebody as expensive as Kevin Love, where it seems like it's probably more likely he plays under 30 minutes than over 30 minutes. So I think that's enough reason to be off him on a large slate. Uh, next game here is the Orlando Magic at the Houston Rockets. There should be a ton of scoring in this game. This game also, it doesn't have a point spread right now because Aaron Gordon is questionable. I think it's very safe to assume that the Rockets are going to be like 15-point favorites. Well, Chris Paul is also questionable, so if he's in too, then yeah, I agree with you. It should be a massive spread. Yeah, even if Aaron Gordon and Chris Paul are both out, it's still a massive spread. Yeah, it would still be double digits in that case, but I don't know if it would be 15. Uh, I think that could be a good guess, though, if Gordon's out and Paul is in. This is a really bad spot for the Magic in terms of keeping the game close, but I guess if Aaron Gordon's out, then... There's, there is a lot of value just with extra usage for everybody. Um, I don't know how much we can really say about this game right now until we know the injury situations. Yeah, in terms of usage uh, with Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon off the court, the highest usage on the team is actually Jonathan Simmons at 28.3%. So I think that he would probably be the best guy to roster then in terms of uh, just what we would... Well, I think, so let's, we have Mario Hazonia's 4,500, Simmons is 4,900. Uh, let's see, what are their per-minute productions? I think both of them would be in play. I would probably prefer Simmons a little bit just because I do think he's better than Hazonia. There's a reason that Simmons starts every day and Hazonia comes off the bench. And then Hazonia's per-minute production this year, he's scoring 14 fantasy points in 17 minutes, Simmons 23 and 29 minutes, so pretty similar. I would say both of them are in play. I'd probably... Stay away from Alfred Payton if Chris Paul's starting. But if Chris Paul's out, then Alfred Payton becomes more of a desirable play because that's such a big drop-off in point guard defense if we're going to see him guarded by James Harden probably instead of Chris Paul. From the Rockets side of the game, this is actually a really tough decision. If Chris Paul is out, who would you prefer to pay up for, James Harden or Anthony Davis? Yeah, that is a really tough call. I, I realized as you were asking it that uh, this would mean that LeBron is just off the table. If Paul's out, I'll have zero exposure to LeBron because Davis and Harden would be the obvious two guys to pay up for. Although I guess LeBron would be lower owned. Um, but I don't even know if James Harden would be that chalky. I think it's it's a more obvious situation for Anthony Davis and people have had more time to see the DeMarcus Cousins effect. He's already missed one game and Davis was really good in the game he was out. So ownership, lower on Harden, maybe he's the better play, because it's it's a really good matchup, um, but there would be a lot of blowout risk. That's a tough call. I think uh, it would definitely make sense to try to have as much of both of them as possible, and hopefully there would be cheaper plays to use where you could actually make lineups with the two of them in it. Yeah, I would say for cash games, just because there is still that slight injury risk on Anthony Davis that I'd probably... Although there's still a lot of blowout risk with Harden. I think there's concerns about there are I think there's equal kind of concerns on both sides with them. Uh yeah, I think that I would have one of either Anthony Davis or James Harden every lineup I build tomorrow if Chris Paul is out. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, for sure one of them would be included in every combination. Um and I think I, I am leaning Anthony Davis just because Eric Gordon would be such a strong play if Chris Paul were out. And uh, I think I'd rather go the route of Davis with Eric Gordon compared to, like, Harden and Drew Holiday. Because, and, uh, and Trevor Rees is out, so that's another avenue for playing time for Eric Gordon. Yeah, Gordon would be arguably the best—well, 
the best value of any player on the slate, I think it still might be James Harden. Um, I don't know. I guess if you're not going to use Anthony Davis, it probably makes sense to have Drew Holiday in those lineups. And if you're not going to have James Harden, it makes sense to have Eric Gordon. So I guess every combination that has Davis, I would probably try to have Gordon. And every combination that has Harden, I would try to have uh, Drew Holiday. But uh, maybe not as much on Holiday because Gordon would be a much stronger play than Holiday is. Um, I don't know. Would you go with Harden and Gordon together? Because they both benefit so much that it might not matter that they'd be slightly negatively correlated. Yeah, I'd be fine with I'd be fine with playing both of them. And then the other thing also is that one of them are going to either or unless it's like a thirty or forty point blowout or something ridiculous. Either or of Harden or Gordon are going to be on the court at all times. So both of them are going to get a period of you know whatever ten minutes or so where the other isn't on the court. Yeah, I, and if this ends up happening where Chris Paul is out, I think we can ignore a lot of the other commentary that we've given because there would be just so much value on the Pelicans game and on the Rockets game that it wouldn't make sense to really have that much exposure at all to any of the other games on the slate. Uh, yeah, that's definitely possible. Uh, <laughs> the next game here, I think this is... Uh, here's a fairly easy uh, fade spot. The Denver Nuggets, the San Antonio Spurs... I don't think anybody from Denver's in play, and I think LaMarcus Aldridge is a fine play for the Spurs at 8,000. I think that he's my favorite guy in like that mid-range, especially with Denver on the tail end of a back-to-back, and I don't think anybody else is in play for this game. Yeah, and I would even add the caveat, if Chris Paul is out, then I wouldn't even go near Aldridge because he just wouldn't fit into lineups that would be including Anthony Davis, James Harden, and Eric Gordon. Um, but yeah, if, if there are more open spots for paying up for guys because Chris Paul is playing, then I agree with you on Aldridge in that circumstance. And yeah, th- there's no one else to consider here. It's a terrible matchup for the Nuggets, and the Spurs have a lot of rotation guys to worry about, so Aldridge is really the only one. Uh, so another game here where I, a team I don't really have a lot of interest in, the Golden State Warriors playing at Utah. This is a really down-paced game for the Warriors, and still everybody's kind of priced up. Uh, Steph Curry's been playing ridiculously well recently, so he's over 10000 for a matchup in Utah. So I think that's too expensive for me. And then just with all those Warriors guys playing in a tough matchup, I'm off all of them as a whole, and also just all the other guys who are better to pay up for. From the Utah side of the game, I think Donovan Mitchell is okay to pay up for at 6900 Let's see what his productions looked up looked like since Gobert's come back. Uh, uh, maybe not. 18-32-33 over the last three games. So I'll say Donovan Mitchell is kind of a fringe play and maybe somebody worth just having in a player pool if you're making multiple lineups, but it wouldn't be a priority for me to get Donovan Mitchell into lineups. Well, with Rodney Hood out, I feel a little bit uh, better about Donovan Mitchell, but I, I'll add this again in here. If, if there's no Chris Paul and Eric Gordon is a very obvious play at 6,300, I probably won't be using any of Donovan Mitchell at 6,900. Um, but I have no problem with Mitchell there, and I think Rodney Hood being out does help him enough, and then the matchup is good enough where he could do well even with Gobert back. Um, no interest in any other Jazz players, and definitely no interest in the Warriors side in Utah. Okay, so final game on the slate, Portland at the LA Clippers, obviously the other side of the Blake Griffin trade, so that means that the Clippers are going to be really shorthanded for this game. From the Portland side of the game, the issue I just have with guys like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Joseph Nurkic is that there's better plays on the slate. We've gone over so many guys 
who are better to pay up for, in my opinion, than Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum. Uh, I don't love Nurkic's individual matchup against DeAndre Jordan. I think that's a tough one for him. From the Clippers' side of the game, uh, Lou Williams is at 8,200. I think he's in play just because his usage is going to be so high without Blake Griffin there. There's a lot of guys who are benefiting from just good matchups here. And then DeAndre Jordan, also somebody, I mean, people benefiting from extra minutes and usage all over the place with injuries and trade situations. So Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan are in play. And then another situation, we just have to see who's going to be available for the Clippers tomorrow. Danilo Gallinari is questionable to play with the glute injury. He hasn't played in a really long time. And then obviously we don't know who's going to be starting in place of Blake Griffin at power forward. Um, I'm guessing that they're going to go with a small ball lineup and probably play West Johnson at power forward with also Ty Wallace and Tay Dosich and Lou Williams. But we'll have to wait and see tomorrow. Yeah, I think I'm off the Portland side of this game just because there's so much other value. I think you could make the case for some of these guys on a shorter slate, but it would be it would seem like reaching with nine games to choose from already, and then there's so much other value that we've talked about having for sure, and then value we may end up having that's even stronger than that. So, yeah, no Portland for me, but the Clippers do have the Blake Griffin situation, so I really like DeAndre Jordan. Lou Williams, I think, would be a decent play on most slates, but we, I think, can be a little more aggressive and raise the bar with what we consider a strong value. Lou Williams at 8,200, I think, is fine if he fits into lineups. Increased usage, but I don't love the spot for him. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, though, for sure at, I think it's, it's 6,800. Yeah, 6,800 for DeAndre Jordan with no Blake Griffin. That's just way too cheap for him in any matchup. Okay, so that will finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRNBergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be back tomorrow.